It's time for Larry No Sports, featuring John Big Ten Blue and the mouth of the South, Micah Sherman. Tonight's special guest is a host of the Sun Solar Panel, the voice of the Valley, who you gonna call Saul Bookman! And I'm your host, Larry Twentieth, two p.m. What a week of news it's been, uh, and it's still going on because free agency starts at six. This crazy, crazy week all started on Monday when the Oklahoma City Thunder traded Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns. Saul, thanks for joining us. And as a Phoenix Suns fan, the obvious first question is, how do you feel about the Paul trade? Oh, I love it. I love it. First of all, dude, that, that intro is insane. <laughs> yep. Holy cow. Oh, jeez. Woo. Man, that, that was that was intense and that was fun, man. That was yep. uh, we, we only intro like that. We, we don't do that for anybody else. That was just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it seems like it was the very first time you ever done that. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, dude, I, I'm 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 excited, obviously, for the Suns. They CP3. Uh, what I always like to say is CP3 is going to take the Suns another level from where they just came from. And what I mean by that is two years ago, the Suns were like a 17 win team. They were one of the worst in the NBA, um, even after get, just getting the number one pick in DeAndre, and they still had a terrible year. They needed somebody else, so they brought in Ricky Rubio. Um, halfway through that bad season, they had brought in Kelly Oubre from Washington, and those two pieces alone kind of shifted the dynamic a bit and essentially doubled their win total from a year ago, and then they had the, the great run in the bubble. But with Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre in tow, I feel like that was about the peak of what you could expect unless you brought in another big-time free agent. So how do you change that? Well, Ricky Rubio has some deficiencies offensively. He's not the best shooter in the world. He can create, uh, playmaking-wise, he can create for others beautifully. However, I think there are parts of his game that even though he's creative offensively, he kind of stymied the development of DeAndre Ayton in a flow sense. Um, you know, DeAndre, you know, spacing's a big deal. And when you have a, a point guard that will drive to the basket, circle around the basket several times, uh, you know, as a big, you're like, what am I doing right now? You know what I mean? So you're forced to kind of extend yourself and DeAndre's game isn't to that level yet. And I think Chris Paul eliminates a lot of that because he has one of the best mid-range games in the, or mid-range, uh, mid-range shots in the game. He can produce for others. 
And I think he's really going to pay dividends for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and that's that's the thing that I take away from this trade. It's not about Devin Booker. I know it's about Devin Booker, but it's not about Devin Booker. It's about Devin Booker staying here and feeling like this team is actually trying to build for a championship. Yes, but in terms of development, the one that's going to benefit the most is going to be DeAndre Ayton because we've already seen Devin Booker benefit from a playmaking point guard in Ricky Rubio, which I think largely will be the same with Chris Paul. Yeah, I love that. I didn't even think about it as that much from that angle. I was thinking, you know, it's to get Booker to stay. Obviously, it's a nice piece, but just I guess it's going to be like Lob City Southwest or something. Dude, I mean, I mean, we all saw the highlights with Blake and, and DeAndre Jordan back in the day, and uh, yeah. if it can if it can replicate just ten percent of that, I am going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, and Paul obviously like he okayed the deal, so I'm sure he's excited and engaged. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that that Phoenix has kind of gotten a knock on is like this is where older veterans um, come to to kind of finish out their careers. Yeah. Right. You're talking but about think, basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. just Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Um, you know, obviously in foot in a football sense, this is kind of where they come to die, so to speak. But <laughs> uh, but in a basketball sense, um, I think the Suns have done a very good job of extending the life cycle of a, a particular player. If you think about Shaq, um, had had some. He was on the downward of his career, yes, but he was able to extend his his uh, I, I don't know his his worth on the floor for a little bit more. You know, and, and uh, Grant Hill, another example. Uh, Steve Nash was an older guard when he got here. He was still like in his thirties, and everybody thought, "What a terrible deal!" And why is he leaving Dallas and all this other stuff? Then he wins two MVPs, and and everybody shuts up. So. Um, I don't think Chris Paul is the type of player. Yes, he's been injury prone, but I think guards and bigs are two totally different scenarios when it comes to injury prone type players. And I think Chris Paul is going to be able to navigate the season and get the Suns what they want at the end of the day. What what do the Suns want this season? What do the Suns want next season? And what season do they think – what season are they competing for a championship? Could they compete for a championship this season with an additional piece? Um, it depends on what that additional piece is. You know, so let's you, talk. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. My my personal favorite additional piece would be um, Serge Ibaka, but I don't think the Suns will be able to be in the running for Serge Ibaka because I think he's going to cost a little bit too much. But Serge Ibaka is the type of player um, that you – you would ideally would want. He has a championship pedigree. He can shoot from the perimeter. He can play multiple positions. He can back up your center. He can he can play a good solid power forward and even give you spot minutes at the small forward if you really needed him to. Um, I just love Serge Ibaka's game from top to bottom, and I think he in that in if you're talking about DNA, um, and that's something James Jones is. Obviously, every GM and every coach talks about a DNA and a fiber, but it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually enact it um, as, you know, as a Knicks fan, I'm sure you can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so you need that type of player. And I think Serge Ibaka would fit that mold. Um, James Jones would tell you every year they expect to compete for championships. Well, the reality of the situation is, is that's not exactly the case. This year, the expectation should be three to six seats. That should be the expectation. It's not just to make the playoffs. It's to make sure that you're firmly in the playoffs and you're actually positioning for seeding. 
because uh, as you remember, seven through ten are going to play in that external playoff or that play-in game um, or play-in series, whatever they're going to do, and you don't want to be in that scenario. After that, I think you have one more year left of Chris Paul because he's on a two-year deal, and you have to expect that that's the year where they can make uh, maybe another jump. Maybe the Lakers fall back a little bit. Uh, the Clippers, you know, who what who knows what's going to happen with PG and, and Kawhi um, after this season. Because uh, Kawhi's on a two-year deal, I do believe, is what he's signed for. So is he going to leave? You know, so the power structure can change in the blink of an eye. Um, and then, knock on wood, Clay Thompson comes back to the Warriors next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. I can't even talk about that. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I would say the the playoffs are definitely in the window. Championships, that, that entirely goes back to my very first point. DeAndre Aiden. The Suns are a contender in the West if DeAndre Aiden is not only an all-star, but he's a bona fide almost superstar. Like, and right now he's just he's just a good player. That's that's all he is right now. And he needs to take that jump. If DeAndre Aiden doesn't take that jump, the Suns will not win a championship in the next two years with Chris Paul in the fold. If he does take that jump, wow, we change everything. And uh it's gonna be fun to watch. How has uh, Aiton improved over the past two years? Well, I mean, he was, you know, when his first year, I think he was he was about a 15-10 guy, 14-10 guy. Um, this year he took another jump to 18 and 12, um, and he had some glimpses of where he could, you know, he could dominate. I think there was one, uh, I forgot what game it was, where he scored uh, 24 points in the third quarter alone. Um, and so he's had some some moments, but again, like when you watch him in the bubble, you can see where he gets lost. And when you have a, a, a ball dominant, um, you know, shooting guard like Devin Booker, you need a point guard that's going to be able to really focus on getting you the ball in key positions. And Ricky Rubio did that to a certain extent, but Ricky Rubio was so unselfish to everybody on the court that I don't feel like at times he understood like, Hey, game on the line. We need a bucket. Like I'm not throwing it to Javon Carter in the corner. Like, don't do that. I know he's wide open. Don't do it. Like, get throw it up to the big. Let him get a, a, a deuce so everybody can kind of relax. Um, and I think Ricky Rubio from time to time didn't do that. And I think Chris Paul absolutely will. And Chris Paul, as we all know, has a reputation for really pushing people. And that's the nice way mm-hmm. to say it. I think that's what's going to happen. And if you're the Suns, you need to find out DeAndre Ayton is the future. Uh, to complement with Devin Booker because you can't ride Devin Booker for another five years and hope that he's going to stay if you don't have another bona fide superstar with him. And if DeAndre Ayton isn't that superstar, you got to find out in the next two years before you have to commit to him long-term with a, with a max deal. Yeah. I love that. And you're, you're, you're definitely going to find out a lot about Ayton this year. Absolutely. So Devin Booker has been the team leader for two, three years uh, at this point. Bringing Chris Paul in, who is in his 58th year in the uh, in the NBA, uh, does Chris Paul take that uh, that role on the court? Certainly in the locker room, I would imagine he's taking that role. Um, does Chris Paul take that role? How long does he do it? And do you expect Chris Paul to end his career in Phoenix? Uh, you know, I don't know about ending his career in Phoenix. I mean, he's going to make. 80 plus million dollars in the next two years. So if he wants to play past that, then I'm sure he can find a position um, because financially he'll be fine. Uh, It just depends on how his body holds up. I think more than anything else. And uh, yeah, Chris Paul takes a backseat to nobody. 
Um, I know Devin Booker is the he's the he's the guy. He's the guy. This is Devin Booker's franchise. Let, let, make no mistake about it. Chris Paul is coming to Devin Booker's franchise. But when Chris Paul is on the court and the influence he has off the court, he is the one that controls everything because the guy who holds the ball most of the time is the one that kind of controls how everything goes. And Chris Paul is the point guard, so he'll have the ball in his hands 100% of the time. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think this is Chris Paul's team. And, and remember, like, Chris Paul is also the president of the Players Association. Like, he is widely respected. So it's not just about what you see on the court. It's everything behind the scenes, the influence that he's going to have. He was so, you know, so vital to that Oklahoma City team who nobody thought was going to do anything last year, and they definitely superseded their expectations. Yeah, when Paul first went to Oklahoma City, that contract was considered an albatross. Nobody, you know, OKC was already going to start uh, rebuilding, and the fact that they he became an asset and they were able to trade him for a number one pick, and now it's like Suns are a competitor. It just shows how great Chris Paul really still is. For sure, absolutely. You know, and again, like when you're talking about the Suns and and how young they are, and they have some young pieces from top to bottom. I just think that this is. This was a move that is going to extend your franchise and really get that championship window closer to you. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, broader next season, particularly off the court um, happenings. Uh, Chris Paul was uh, this past season was incredible, um, particularly with the all-star game before COVID and then negotiating um, with um, <clears throat> the players association and the owners, uh, how the bubble would, would go it looks like we're probably going to be playing with a bubble again. Am I, am I right in thinking? No, 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 no. no. So this is every team's going to be playing in their city, 72 games. Um, but the, the way the, that I understand the schedule is going to be structured is a lot of your games. There, nothing's official yet. Right. But the rumor is, is that you're going to be playing like series maybe. Okay. So if you have to play, you know, Golden State three times this year, well, you're going to play Golden State three times in maybe five or seven days and then and then vice versa. And so they want to keep teams in that city and get it over with. So they they're not, you know, crossing across the country and all this other stuff. And I don't know how many East Coast games versus West Coast games we're going to see this year. I don't know. What, how that goes, but I do know that it will not be a bubble because teams are already planning on how they're going to approach um, season ticket holders and, and fans in the stands and things of that nature. It sounds like a series of uh, sort of mini bubbles where people are you know, essentially kind of quarantining for yeah. a while. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've seen the, the Golden State Warriors and what they're trying to do, uh, $30 million um, investment into some of these testing protocols, um, and yesterday on ESPN, they were talking about how they're going to be able to fill 50% of their arena because they're going to have testing that will, will identify whether or not you have COVID within 15 minutes. And fans will be expected to come to games an hour or two early to get tested but make sure they're good to go before they even go in. It's going to be really remarkable to see how, how all this is going to unfold. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a historic season again. And I'm, uh, I'm wondering if you have any uh, either insider information or predictions about how you see this season forward through the playoffs. Um, not asking you to make any predictions, although I'd love to hear your predictions about what's going to happen in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, off the court again, do you see any, anything outstanding uh, happening this season? 
Not really. Uh, I mean, I, nothing outside the ordinary of what we've already seen across all, all sports. You know, I mean, I think you're going to have your hiccups here and there. I think, I mean, heck, the NBA just went through a whole bubble and didn't have one positive test. And the near positive test, ironically enough, was DeAndre Aiden, who just missed his test. And then he tested and he came in like middle of the first quarter in the bubble like against OKC of all teams. This is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think you're going to have a couple instances here and there. Um, but that's why they scheduled a 72 game season instead of 82 to give a little bit of a buffer. And I think they wanted to get, they wanted to get everything started in December because they wanted to get back on the normal NBA league year track, um, where they start in October, finish in June. And you kind of, you know, you have, uh, essentially a seven month season. And, uh, so I, I, I understand why they're doing it. I don't see anything that's extenuating out there that I would be worried about. Um, I just know that it's the nature of the beast right now with this, with this virus and, you know, it, half the country has got it almost in, and it's just, right. it's just nuts. So, so how about on the court? Yeah. Regale us with some, uh, predictions that we might, we might I mean, not you, see coming. You might have to hit me up in about a month because I mean, <laughs> or, we're literally or Saturday, about, maybe we're, we're, yeah, yeah. Or Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because. I mean, we're right here on the precipice of free agency, and that's going to change a lot of different things. Heck, if you would have talked to us four days ago, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks would have had Bogdan Bonvanovich, and now he's not going to be in the fold. They're going to go; they're moving on from him. And so, uh, yeah, that's breaking news that just happened on on Woj. I think Woj just that they're oh, really? just completely moving yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's uh, if it's breaking news, it's probably Woj. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't forget Sh- Shams. Uh, Shams. Yeah, you can't yeah. forget Shams now. Uh, Shams uh, Sharnia. So yeah, it's so everything's changing. Um, so I, I I wouldn't be able to accurately predict what's going to happen. We know the Lakers are going to be competitive. We know the Clippers should be back in the fold should they not choke. We know Denver is going to be good. Um, the Suns are in the mix now. Outside of that, I couldn't even begin to speculate. You don't want to speculate about the Warriors at all. You don't want a little. You want to talk uh, about that a little bit. No, I, I gotta see what what they're gonna do. Like, are they really gonna bring in Kelly Oubre and take an eighty million dollar salary or uh, luxury tax hit? Uh, like, yeah, really, that's... you're gonna do that for for a player that's good, but he's not like amazing. You know what I mean? Like, he's not Clay Thompson good. No. And if you're expecting him to come in and and kind of mirror what Clay Thompson does, dude, you are sorely mistaken because. Clay Thompson's one of a kind, man. He's one of the best shooters of all time. You can't just replace that on the street. Well, wait, but it's only eighty million if they keep the rest of the roster in place, right? Like yes. if they get rid of Wiggins yes. and stuff like that, yes. like that changes the number a lot. Yeah, so. but what's what's the markup in bringing Ubre over Wiggins though? Like Ubre's a good player. He is. He's a really good player. But that team already has a DNA. Like that that franchise has a DNA, and it's led by Steve Kerr management. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. That's where it is. Like, you don't need somebody to come in and influence it in a different kind of way because what you've done over the last six years has been very successful. So I, I don't know. I don't know how much he adds to that. He's a great – he's a good player. He's going to add a lot of excitement. He's, he's great for the community. We, hey, people in Phoenix were sad to see him go. They understood – but they were very sad to see him go. He kind of brought on the whole Valley Boys uh, mantra himself. Like he he was one of the first players in a long time to actually say, "Yeah, I love it here in Phoenix. I want to stay here and like embrace this city." And when you've been a franchise who hasn't made the playoffs for ten years, 
uh, and and you've just had all these like bad situations happen time and time again, and players leaving and talking crap, and you know you have the Morris twins and then Bledsoe. <laughs> like you needed somebody to say, well, what's wrong with them? Like I like it here, and the people around here are fantastic, and they've and people around here love their sons. They want to support the team. You just had to have a reason, and Kelly Oubre gave them that reason. So can I ask a question on that track? Because I'm a I'm a Rockets fan and went through many, many years not really thinking about ownership. And now I actively hate the owner. <laughs> and so like I'm just kind of wondering. You get like, used to it, big, don't worry. A big a big part of this is Sarver, right? I mean, that's why like some people really don't like it there. And that's been a bit of a hurdle for the Suns, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the reputation. Um, and, and so I don't lose my job. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Go. What I will say is this. Uh, Robert Sarver wants to win. He does. And he is willing to do what it takes to make that happen. Um, I think there has been situations when you start to lose pieces of the puzzle. And um, I think – I think when he first got into the fold, maybe his lack of experience as an owner um, and really trusting the people around him kind of kind of hurt and, and it hurt the franchise. And I think he he saw that maybe the error of, of those ways, um, yeah. maybe even as, as recently as the last three or four years. Um, but I think he started he's starting to surround himself with people that that are on the same track as him. And um, I think he gets a bad rap from time to time. I think he, you know, for, for everybody that wants to bash Robert Sarver in terms of what he's done to this franchise because of this, 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 remember, like, you don't want to be the dude that follows, like, a legend, right? And Jerry Colangelo was a legend. Mm-hmm. And so whatever Robert Sarver did, short of whatever um, uh, Jerry Colangelo did, was going to seem like, oh, he's ruining the franchise, right? But everybody wants to bag on the owner when things are going bad, but they never want to give him credit for when things are going good and things are going good right now. Okay. And Robert Sarver is responsible for putting the people in position to make those decisions to make this franchise get better and better and better as we're seeing right now. So he definitely deserves credit for that. So if you're going to bash him, you got to show him some love too. <laughs> no, that's, that's really good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Cause again, I think it's it, the reputation. You're right. Like, the start of it is just following Colangelo, but then after that, once you get that bad rep, it's hard to shake it. And so I'm glad to hear that like his these steps, you know, are shaking it. And then who knows in a couple of years, people might be like, Yeah, Sarver, he's he's got it together. He's figured it out. I That'd mean, think awesome. about think about where the Suns are right now, right? Like we wouldn't even be talking right now if this was a like two years ago. <laughs> let's be honest. Like yeah. Chris Paul comes to the Suns now, all of a sudden we're like, oh hey, what and they went eight no in the bubble and they have a lot of good pieces and, and people are excited, right? But on top of that, you have a two hundred million dollar plus renovation going on at their arena. Uh, so it's going to look completely state of the art. And some of the things that they have in there is, are just going to be absurdly swanky. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And if you had seen it before, like last year, walking around that arena, like behind the scenes, like behind the, 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 the stands is where like the, the club level was for like all the VIPs or courtside guests. Right. And essentially it was just like, it was just like an afterthought, you know, it's just, a bunch of like tables spaced around and it just wasn't like 
high level. Like the, the Arizona Coyotes have a BMW lounge and it is, is really nice. You go down and there's like blue lights and it's the aesthetic is pleasing. The players walk by you. It's, it's, it's fantastic. That's a, a, almost what is about to happen over at Talking Stick. And then you throw in a hundred million dollar practice facility, which is supposed to be state of the art. There are so many different bells and whistles that are going on with that. And all of a sudden you're talking about a destination where players can come and get the very best technology um, and biometrics and, and all that stuff to make them better players. And that's Robert Sarver's the owner. It's got to start there. Cause if he says he doesn't want any of that, it never happens. So um, mm-hmm. a lot of great things going on right now. I mean, this is a year where revenue was down the pre- previous year and is going to be down again. So I, he could have taken the path of just cutting costs as I'm sure a lot of teams done. So you got to give him credit for just not doing that and going for it with this Chris Paul trade. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, if you talk about us, if you talk about Chris Paul trade last year, it's an albatross, like three, three years for 120 plus million dollars. Like who the hell wants that? And now we're talking about what a great deal it was. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, uh, I mean, you, you, you shed 30 plus million dollars in salary by trading the players that you did and the assets that you did. And you got um, an all-star, a 10 time all-star in return, uh, second team, all NBA last year alone and a bona fide superstar in this league and all the state farm commercials you could ever want. So, uh, (laughs) so what what do you think about the uh, current guys who are restricted free agents and that they may resign? Um, I, so I, I know right now, as of right now, uh, Kaminsky and, um, I'm forgetting the other one. They let them go. Uh, um, they are not bringing Baines? them back, but Javon Carter, uh, yeah, Baines, Baines is Baines is most likely on his way out, but that's not one of them. They haven't decided on Baines yet, and they haven't extended an offer. But I know right now, um, Dario Saric and Javon Carter have been extended offers. Um, so we'll see if they stay in the fold. Uh, the the expectation is that they will, and um, and then so yeah, you lose Kaminsky. Not not a big surprise to lose Kaminsky, uh, and then possibly Baines. So you got to get. I think what they really need right now is potentially a, a backup point guard if um, if they can't find something in house and there's you know you never know what's going to happen with undrafted free agents they they brought in a kid from Seton Hall we'll see how he works out uh, you have Elia Kobo who's a backup point guard right now he's been in the system now this will be his third year uh, you have expectations for him Javon Carter is a defensive dog um, he's one of those guys that you bring in off the bench uh, he makes things happen defensively. He can get you a bucket every now and then. He's he's a wildly underrated shooter, and uh, he's just one of those guys that you just want on your team. Like you have to have him on your team. And outside of that, who knows? So a backup point guard and maybe a power forward that can stretch the floor. Um, Dario Saric, I think, could have been better from the perimeter last year. He still, um, but he's very crafty. He can get a bucket uh, down low. He was he was fairly a- uh, adequate. I just think that you need somebody that's going to be a little bit more athletic than him that can match up with some of these power forwards and bigs and not get body down low. That's why I love Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Boy, losing uh, Baines and Comiskey, they're, they're, uh, they're getting dangerously low to not being able to fulfill their lumbering white guy quota this year. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. Hey, you want to gossip a little bit? Sure. Harden to Brooklyn. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely uh, it's definitely relevant to a Phoenix Suns fan because it's now Phoenix East with like Nash and D'Antoni and Harden being the ultimate D'Antoni guy. 
Yeah. And Stoudemire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So it, I don't know, man. I, there's not enough basketballs for those three, dude. Like I, I, I get it. It makes a splash. I get it. It's another great player on your team. And uh, the thought is, is if you have a lot of great players, then okay, you should be very good. But sometimes if you have a lot of great players, you don't have any great players. And uh, if it's, it's like, it's like teams that have two good quarterbacks. Well, that means you don't really have a good one. You know what I mean? Like a great one. And so I just don't, who's going to sacrifice the ball. Who's going to take the shot in the fourth quarter between Kyrie KD and, and Harden. Like those are all ball dominant players. KD's probably the, the most likely to just give up the rock, but that's, that's like a, like a fringe of a fraction. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about that. I think it's terrible. I think it is. It's not just. It's not putting three great players together. You can you can do that and make it work. What you can't do is put three ball dominant whiners together. Like these guys have never had a situation they won't whine about. Skip Bayless over here. I love it. Kidding me? No, I'm no, but I'm sitting like. I love Kevin Durant. I think he's great. And he whined in Golden State. He's like, oh, no one gives me credit for these two championships. And like he goes on Twitter as, you know, with fake names to like clap back at people. And and Kyrie, don't I he's he's my least favorite NBA player by far. It's not even close. Like the guy can finish and he's got a great handle and he is an absolute cancer. He's and then and then Harden. I mean, I love Harden. I think he's he's great. I don't, you know, I don't want to see him go, but man, he got the, he made the Westbrook thing happen. He made that deal happen, and that deal was terrible. And ah, oh, just that that drives me nuts. I, yeah. I can't. I, I mean, can't. I hope they do it just for the sake of watching watching it implode. But I honestly, I really wish the Rockets would get something better for Harden. You should you should never let players make business decisions for you. Uh, no kidding. So, like, I completely agree with you on that. Kyrie, um, you need – the problem with Kyrie is you need another figure on that team that, that is level-headed and, um, you know, is kind of the leader, so to speak. It doesn't have to be the best player, but is the leader on that team. Like Draymond Green is, like, you know, on the court from time to time. He is, like, the alpha male. Now, again, we go back to a situation where they're playing the Clippers and, uh, you know – KD should have gotten the last shot, but Draymond thought, no, I'm going to shoot this. Like you got to know yourself and you got to know your personnel. Like Draymond green is the alpha male on that court, but he has to defer when it comes to certain situations and understand, like I have one of the best shooters of all time, really three of them all around the court (laughs) and, and KD was open and I should have given them the rock. Right. And so you need that kind of guy that is going to call people out on their BS including Kyrie, and that's why LeBron LeBron was that guy in, in Cleveland. So he was able to kind of minimize Kyrie, but even they had friction. Um, and, but let's, let's be honest. Truth be told, if there's no Kyrie, there's no Cleveland championship. No, that's, Kyrie that's, that's, is the one that carried them down the stretch. I don't give a damn about a block on the backboard. <laughs> Kyrie oh, Irving. brought LeBron there. Like, without Kyrie there, I don't even know that LeBron goes back there. True. Right? So, True. yeah, fair, totally fair. I think they come out of the East. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I want it to happen so bad. If if there's, I will say this: if there's, if there's two people that can try and make that happen, it would be D'Antoni and Nash. And maybe Nash is that dude, right? Nash is a very like 
calm, cerebral kind of guy. I don't know what it has been, what his coaching acumen is. Nobody does. Right. That's the wild card. But you know, we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. Kevin Durant's ankle is also a wild card. Or Achilles. Achilles yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So since we're talking D'Antoni and Nash, who what what year is the best Phoenix Suns year? It's got to be 92-93. Yeah, because yeah. they, they made the finals. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, they, they had been, you know, they were at the footsteps of the finals so many times, and they would lose to the Lakers mostly because the Lakers were just dominant in, in that era. Um, but then the Blazers started to come above, and it was just like, man, you just can't catch a break. And so when they brought in Sir Charles and – and, and when Charles Barkley got here, everybody it was kind of 50 50 on like, did they love it? Did they hate it? Whatever. Cause they lost, you know, Jeff Hornacek in that trade. And people love Jeff Hornacek, Tim Perry in that trade. Um, Andrew Lang, I believe, was part of that deal. And it just, it was like, uh, you know, I don't know what we're getting with Charles Barkley. We know he's like an all star, but is he going to be like a superstar? And he got here and he just went ham and won the MVP that year. He was crazy. He was, he was just a, such a, a bolt of excitement for the Valley that they've never had before with any player ever. And I would even argue since. Uh, he's, just, he's just that kind of icon. He's a Valley icon. People still love him here. Uh, he, he put the Phoenix Suns back on the map nationally. They had way more national games because it's Sir Charles, and he's just a charismatic type of dude. And so and, – and even – I, I want to say, I could be wrong about this, but even when the Diamondbacks won the World Series, their parade wasn't the size parade as the Suns after they lost the finals and they had a parade. They had a parade to celebrate the season, and that parade and the crowd was way bigger than the 2001 World Series championship winning Diamondbacks parade. Um, that's how much – when the Suns are on, I've been told – in I, I've, I've, I've never been in Phoenix outside of that sun stuff. Um, cause I, I joined the military and I left the, the, the state for about 12 years. Um, I heard that when the suns are on there, there's nothing like it there, you know, in the, from like the 2005 era suns, uh, with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, like when they were rolling, it was just on and popping around here. It was just crazy. There's like, there's no high, like a sun's high around here. Um, but, you know, it's been a while since I've seen that. And I've actually seen that on social media. Like, they ain't no the bubble and then uh, Devin Booker hitting the jump shot over, um, you know, uh, George and, and uh, Kawhi. Uh, I mean, social media was on fire. And just to see the passion that these people have for the Phoenix Suns, it's, it's really amazing. It's really awesome. If Robert Ori doesn't hit check Nash into the oh, scores God, table, dude. do they win the – Smalls. Do they <laughs> win the championship? that year is that i remember watching that and going man that that's like that was yeah, yeah. That, if they, the spurs, they would totally win right if the spurs don't exist the suns win multiple championships i mean the spurs are just oh they're they're just the worst uh you know hey. it, 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 <laughs> yeah. it used to be yeah. it, it used to be the lakers uh, and it still is the lakers because they're our pacific division rival but Man, those that five to seven year stretch with the Spurs, I don't think there's a more hated team in the history of Arizona sports. Than don't those forget the Rockets for a few years in the 90s with the blown leads. Yeah, but but 
but that was like self-infliction too though right because the suns they were up three to one in those series like they should have wrapped that up that was more the sun's fault than it was the rockets whereas now you have san antonio and they hip check nash lose boris diao and amari stoudemire your you know two of your four best players for the next game game six at home you're up three two you should be able to wrap it up at home but you don't have those two players Kurt Thomas tries the ball out, doesn't work. They lose game six. They go back to San Antonio, lose game seven. The San Antonio Spurs go on to win the world championship. Like, yeah, that should have been that should have been Phoenix. Absolutely. Hey, uh, so uh, last week we were talking uh, the Charlotte Hornets and how uh, in the 90s they sort of uh, – they were the cultural icons. What do you think it has to take for the uh, Suns? Because the uh, Arizona sports are very passionate about the Suns and uh, – in that in in that uh, mountain region, people are suns all the way. How what 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 do you think it has to take for the suns to become a national phenomenon? Um, I mean, you need you need primetime games first and foremost, right? You need you need to be on the national scene. You need to be playing on the national stage. You need to be on par playing with team against teams like LeBron. And the Warriors, when they're, you know, when they're great, you know, like you have to be in those games because if you're not in those games, you're just a, you're just an afterthought. And the Suns have largely been an afterthought, but they have one of the best players in the game. And I don't think from this point forward, Devin Booker will, um, I don't think he'll miss another all-star game. I just, I feel like this was his first all-star game. He kind of snuck in because Damian Lillard got hurt, but I think that from now on, he won't be. He won't be an afterthought. And I think a lot of people will respect his game. The, the guy can ball. Like, he's he averages – he was averaging 30 in the bubble. Like, he's just he's just a great shooter, great player. And now I think you're going to start to see those national games come, come to Devin Booker so more people can watch him play. And that's what you need. That's step one. And then you need the, the, the charisma, right? And, again, DeAndre Ayton, if, for those of you who don't know, is one of the most unique personalities in all of sports. Like every time I talk to that kid, it's, and I say kid because I covered him at U of A, every time I talk to him, it's just like you just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth or what he's thinking and how he's thinking. It's, it's really fascinating. It's, it's on such an innocent level. Uh, you know, he, he never badmouths anybody, but he's, you know, he, he likes the limelight. Um, but he, he got such a bad like rap early on because he would talk to the media and they would just consider him immature. And they, instead of embracing that immaturity and that kind of, you know, fun kind of happy go lucky because they only won 17 games, they were like, well, this is why they won't be this. And this is why they won't be that. And this is why he won't be this. And it's just like, Dude, he's 19. Like, calm the F down, everybody. Like, you just let the kid grow. You know, it's like Bobby Fisher. You ever remember that? You may, I don't know if you guys ever watched totally. Searching for Bobby Fisher, yeah. where they try to they try to jam the competitive spirit of chess down this kid's throat. And he's like, nah, man, I'm just not like that. You know what I mean? But he still wants to win. And uh, that's what DeAndre Aiden, he kind of reminds me of, 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 of that little Josh uh, Wisniewski game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, so that kid, not not that he reminds you of Bobby Fisher. No, not Bobby Fisher. Bobby <laughs> Fisher was a competitive SOB, so he was right. a different different breed. Yeah, and then became yeah, crazy what, reckless what, and everything. What's his what? Uh, who who is his personality most like in 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 popular culture or uh, or Ooh, in the NBA? He sounds a little bit like Joel Embiid, or no? 
there's a little Joel and B and that's actually a really good comparison. Um, the only thing is, is that Deandre hasn't done, um, what he hasn't done, what Joel Bede has done to garner that kind of trash talk and respect as legit. Uh, so Deandre doesn't go to that level yet, but I have a feeling he starts averaging 25 and 15 or 30 and 20, like, Oh yeah, that's coming. Like there ain't nobody in the league that can guard me. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like I could see that coming out of DeAndre's mouth, but he would like laugh and smile about it. Like not in a serious way. He was just like Kobe was serious when he said it, like there, there's nobody in the league that can guard me. And you were just like gulp. You yeah. know what I mean? And DeAndre's not like that. Piggybacking on the, the Hornets being popular in the nineties. A lot of it had to do with their great gear, the purple and teal. How awesome are those new Valley city jerseys? I love them. Love them. Yeah. Like I, the black with the, the mountain range and the sun uh, sunset colors. Cause if you've never been to Arizona, you've never seen a sunset here. You, you won't understand, but you know, when the sun's going down, I mean, it's just a haze of like purple to orange. It's just, it's gorgeous. And that's what they try to blend into those Valley jerseys. Um, wish they would have announced those maybe a week later because all the promos had Kelly Oubre in them uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> and the horse and stuff. And it was just like, eh. You know, but it is what it is. I think it's it's fantastic. And yeah, again, this this is something that kind of Kelly Oubre kind of created. You know, this Valley Boys theme and the Valley, like he kind of set that up for the Suns, and the Suns are going to take advantage of it. And it's kind of like unfortunate that he doesn't get to be a part of it. But you know, it is what it is, and you get CP3 in return, and everybody be happy. Plus, if Kelly goes to San Francisco, outside of LA and New York, I don't think there's a better city in the country that he could have gone to where he can thrive and really, you know, he's a very stylistic and fashion sense guy. Uh, he's, he's got his own uh, brand of clothing. He goes to um, the Paris fashion show <clears throat> every year. Like he's a very, very intense fashion guy. Like he just is. And so going to San Francisco, I think is going to be great for him. He's going to love it. Other than Ibaka, are there any free agents that you're targeting or think that the Suns have a chance to get and that'd be good additions? You know, there's two that kind of stick out. Um, I, I really would have liked to see uh, Danilo Gallinari come uh, just because I know he has a relationship with Chris Paul and um, I think he's the stretch four that you're looking for. Outside of him, you know, this gate, this Gordon Hayward situation kind of is intriguing. I, the Suns can't afford him if he thinks he's going to get 34 mil anywhere else. I just don't see that. I don't understand why people are even on Twitter talking about, oh, because he's going to get three years in 90 somewhere. I'm like, nobody's paying him 30 mil a year. Nobody. Like, maybe you would get, maybe Gordon Hayward could get like a three for 50 or three for 45, but I even think three for 60 is too much. I think he's insane for turning that down. $34 million for one year. Like, what are you doing? Like, stay. Um, but he fascinates me. I, I think that he would easily fit right into this kind of system. Um, he gives you a little perimeter, playmaking ability, defense. Like, he's just a solid all-around player. Um, and I think it took him a little bit to kind of find his way last year. And I think he, he needed a new – he needed a fresh start. Um, cause it's, you know, it's hard once you're embedded with a team and everybody kind of knows how you play, um, to kind of break out of, of your own kind of style. And I think once he broke his ankle, him coming back, it was like everybody kind of built their style around and Gordon Haywood was trying to fit into that. And when you have Jalen Brown develop like he is and you have Jason Tatum develop like he is, 
Like those two aren't going to take a back seat to Gordon Hayward anymore, unlike when he first got there. And so what do you do? And I think it's the best thing for Gordon Hayward to move on, just not at 34 mil. Oof. Yeah. He might get like 375. Um, I think it's on the table. Yeah. yeah, that's so much. It is. I are you paying three for three seventy five for for Gordon Haywood? I w- I don't the want Knicks. to. They, they, and the Knicks are very much rumored to be in those talks. Oh no! Man. I would consider. I'd rather a, pay three years, twenty five million for Kelly Oubre than Gordon Haywood. Mm. Yeah. I'd rather not pay anybody with that mustache twenty five million dollars <laughs> a year. <laughs> yeah, it's the third year too. Uh, I would consider a two plus one. With a team option, I don't know. If it, I think like, yeah, I was like like Kevin Love was in Minnesota. I think I think his uh, his career in Utah was a, it was just outstanding. And I don't I I don't see what the fuss is about. I think he's a he's a fine player. Yes, but he's not he's not a team leader. He's not an all star. Why are you paying him that? Exactly, exactly. Well, like, why is this dude going to make that much money? I just, no. He's a second, maybe a third option on a championship team, but second option. I mean, if he went to the Suns, I think he'd be a solid fourth option. Yeah, he would be a third or fourth option for sure. You know what I mean? And, and I always think it's good when you have four solid options. So that way the rotations always have one or two guys that they can always go to no matter what. And you don't have to completely just, you know, all the starters are out and all the benches in. And you got to just hope that one guy has a great night. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you if you can, you know, rotate those guys in and out, it, it's always good. And so Gordon Haywood would easily fit into this rotation. But outside of that, I, those are really the guys that that intrigue me. Um, I've been hearing about Christian Wood, although those rumors have kind of died um, from the Pistons. Um, and that's that's about it. There hasn't been too much scuttlebutt out there about about any of these dudes. So, But we'll see. I'm sure it's coming. I mean, does Phoenix have any cap space to sign anybody? Uh, they got the mid-level exception. Um, but they're right there at the top of, of who they can afford and how they yeah. can afford them for sure. For them, is the mid level at nine point seven or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So they could they could definitely add somebody who's decent. For sure. For sure. How do you feel about um, what may have been the first reach of the draft on Wednesday, the Jalen Smith pick? <laughs> Dude, I, my perspective on the NBA draft is, I think it's a little bit different than everybody else's because I think the NBA draft is a total crapshoot. Yeah. And I know there's people that fall in love with these players. Oh, they're going to be, you know, being okay. So, so I was down at the university of Arizona for, for three years and covered that team, watched every player and every play of every game. And when I watched guys like Alonzo Trier, uh, Raleigh Alkins, uh, get the kind of hype and love that they got down at the U of A, I was like, you need to be careful with that. Because you don't want to, you don't want to drink your own Kool Aid. You need to make a good decision. I thought Alonzo Trier did a good job by coming back to school one more year and playing his junior year. I thought that was a a, a solid decision. I thought Raleigh Alkins should have done the same, but he did not. He left after his sophomore year, and he, I think, he played maybe three games in a total of like thirteen minutes for the Chicago Bulls. But he mostly rode the G League. And let me tell you something about the G League: if you are not an absolute dog and you are kind of a fringe draft pick and you're kind of a second, maybe you're undrafted or you're a second round pick and you're trying to make it, 
the G League is not a place you ever want to go because you will not survive in the G League. Those dudes could give two shits about you being a draft pick. They're just they'll just eat you up and they'll just talk, you know, like Nico Mannion, right? Nico Mannion from U of A. He goes to Golden State and that's a great situation for him. It, like he couldn't have landed in a better uh, situation. Uncle Steve Kerr from the U of A just hooked your ass up. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what happened. And if that kid finds his way to the G League, he's done. He's done because every draft pick needs to have at least one bona fide, like awesome uh, asset. Like you're a great shooter. You're a great passer. You have phenomenal athleticism. And, the, and Nico Manning came from this Phoenix area. So all I heard was Nico Manning is a f- phenomenal athlete. He's amazing and blah, blah, blah. But once he got to college, it was a different story because there's a lot of other athletes that have athletic ability just like Nico Manning did. And, and I think what, what happened was is he got to Baylor. He got to, he got to play against Baylor. And Baylor, for those of you who don't know, is one of the most physical, aggressive teams in all of college basketball. And they have two dudes, one by the name of Jared Butler, who will rip your heart out and eat it in front of you. Like that kid is going to be uh, a first-round pick in this upcoming draft because he is just a, a solid guard. Like you want this guy. He's just composed. He plays great defense. He can score. Like he's a good guard. And he ate Nico Mannion's lunch last year. And Nico Mannion was never the same after that. He was shook because of how physical Jared Butler was. So when I saw that and I saw how Nico kind of rebounded from that or didn't really, and then he like lost his shot. Um, he had questionable decision-making on the court. I wasn't a big fan of him. I didn't, I, di- I don't soak up the hike hype from all these recruits. I could give, I don't care what you do. I care about what you do on the court. And so I don't, I'm not like, Oh my God, we're going to win the national championship now because of this, this, and this, because I haven't seen you do anything in college, so I want to see it. And what I saw from Nico, I was like, dude, you should stay another year because you need to develop a lot more than you are right now. And um, and he didn't, and he came out. And so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was just looking over um, former uh, U of A basketball players, and there are some ballers. I mean, I knew about Damon Stoudemire. I knew about, uh, you know, Jason Terry, but Judd Bushler, Like, there's <laughs> like Channing Fry. Uh, Lori Markinen, like Gilbert Arenas, like there's so many. I'm not going to ask you who the best is. I'm going <laughs> to ask you because there's it can't be. I don't know. Do you have Do you have an opinion about who's who's the best? I think I know who will who will be the best. Um, I think, think DeAndre. I think I think Aiden will be the best. Um, in terms of like who had the best NBA career. Oh, uh, I think it's a toss up, honestly. Um. You, I mean, Damon Stoudemire won Rookie of the Year, but he didn't have a very long career. Um, I think injuries really took him his game away. Uh, and then you move over to somebody like a Sean Elliott, who was an all-star, played for the Spurs, won a championship, like really good player, the legend of Tucson, went to U of A, took him to the Final Four, like great. Um, but Andre Iguodala, like people are sleeping on Andre Iguodala, like just one of the most versatile players in NBA history. Every team he goes to, he makes a significant impact on, leads the Warriors defensively by guarding LeBron, wins championships, and then goes to Miami this year, and people forgot about that. And he goes to Miami, takes them to the finals as well as part of that, that machine. Uh, so, like, for me, I think Andre Iguodala would be my favorite um, in terms of NBA career because of 
how much he has accomplished. Yeah, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for years. Andre Iguodala. He's uh, he's uh, under. I mean, definitely Hall of Fame player. Underappreciated, underrated career wise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it, it it seems like one and done is um, pretty much here to stay for a while. Um, and the NCAA seems to be real slow in moving to. Um, you know, uh, pay players for their likeness and whatnot. What, uh, what have you heard and, and, and what's your predictions about uh, developmental uh, leagues, um, either the G League or otherwise, uh, throughout the United States and throughout the world? Well, I think, I think those are very important. Um, what I will say about this, about kids joining, I think they should get rid of the rule, first of all. However... <sighs> Man, I, I just I can't get over feeling bad for some of these kids who get just you get gassed up on on social media like no other nowadays. And you start reading your own clippings and you start thinking you're the best thing since sliced bread. You got like, for instance, I, I'm going to go back to Nico Mannion. Nico Mannion was a top 10 pick, a lottery pick um, before he started his college career. Everybody had him in his top 10. Like the, the people would talk about, man, what if the Suns were able to get Nico Mannion next year? We'd be insane and blah, blah, blah. Like. And now, like, he's an afterthought. Like, nobody, nobody really thinks about that. You get, like, that's a wasted draft pick if, if you're an NBA team. Or you have to wait for three years for this kid to, like, mature and, and get his body to where it's supposed to be NBA level ready. And by that time, he's got two years left on his deal, and you still don't know anything about him. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, that's a tough deal. And NBA teams will be really – they would be pressed against it um, if, if that were to happen. But you have a lot of information at your disposal. You just do. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like if you don't if you don't go to the NBA as a 17, 18-year-old straight out of high school, I think the minimum is you should have to stay in college like football for three years. And so you have to make that decision, what, what's worth it to you or not. A lot of these kids are going to make decisions because of the money. And I can't blame them depending on what situation they come from. Um, but some of these players don't have that 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 you know, that stress and they can just, they can pick or choose which, what they think is the better Avenue. And uh, you know, it's, it's cool to tell your friends that, that you got drafted by the Suns. It's not cool to tell your friends that you were a number one draft pick and didn't make it two years in the league. So uh, this was awesome. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners where they could find you on the internet? Yeah, they can find me at Saul S A U L underscore bookman um, on Twitter. And that's uh, that's the main way. Awesome. Um, I, of course, am at Larry the Athlete on all social media. You can follow Larry Knows Sports wherever you listen to podcasts. May all of your dreams be hoop dreams. Uh-huh.